We'll start that again. We've been in a series on the Christmas Chronicles following the Advent season to celebrate and prepare for the celebration of the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We've looked at hope, we looked at peace, we looked at joy, and this morning we consider love. And that is the gift of love, which is Jesus Christ Himself. And so I just have a short message with you this morning to prepare and to understand this great gift that God's given us. Let me take you to 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. You can follow with me if you would. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. 1 John chapter 4, not the Gospel of John, but the letter, 1 John 4, verse 8, says this, anyone who does not love does not know God. So you can reverse that. That is, if you do love, you should know God. Because he ends that statement by saying, God is love. John is telling us, it's interesting, isn't it, John, the son of thunder, that was his nickname, him and James. I think they were a little bit, uh, had an anger management problem. And uh, so they were kind of hot and bothered. And so they were the sons of thunder. But didn't, isn't it interesting that he became the son of love, the one whom Jesus loved, the the disciple whom Jesus loved. And love was his theme and love was his passion. And what he says is, if you love, then you you should know God because God is love. Now that's his nature. That's his being. It doesn't say God loves. Of course he loves. But it says that he is love. And so any dimension of love that we as fallen creation or redeemed people could imagine or become to discern, we will know an inkling about God. And that is love protects, love cares, love gives, love is long-suffering and patient, love is amazing. And any aspect of love that you can find, you'll begin to touch possibly the very nature of God. And so God is love. And this also supports our understanding of the triune nature of God, that there is one God in three persons. And the reason this supports it, as St. Augustine said, is that God, being triune, love must have an object. And so within the Godhead, the Father loves the Son. The Son loves the Spirit. The Spirit loves the Father. The Spirit loves the Son. The Son loves the Father. The Son loves the Spirit. And, and it just continues to flow in the dynamic of His own nature and being. So He is love in His nature and being. But that's not my message, so let's go on. <laughs> but let's see what else this verse says. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. So what he's saying is this. God is love. And this is how love was manifest. He sent His Son. Now the word manifested is is an interesting word. It means an event, an action, or an object that clearly shows or embodies something. So the way that God demonstrated, manifested the nature of His love and being was that He sent the Son. 
He sent the Son. That is the greatest demonstration, as Paul says. Romans 5. He says this in uh, 5.8, that while we were yet sinners, Christ demonstrated, manifested His love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So Jesus coming to earth is the greatest demonstration, the greatest manifestation, the greatest embodiment of God's love. You cannot go beyond that. It is all that that God's Word put on flesh to dwell among us. It's the, the greatest demonstration of love. Why? So that we might live through Him because we were all dying. Christ died so we could live. That rang in my heart because two years ago, a number of you joined me on the streets of Gratiot from 8 Mile all the way to 16. Throughout the year at different times, we carried crosses. And as we carried crosses through the rain and whatever, we covered our uh, territory from 8 Mile to 16 all the way up and down Gratiot. That's, and we carried signs that said, Christ died so you could live. And that had an impact, I believe, into this community. And that was two years ago we went to the streets to take this message of the demonstration of God's love. And just this year, as we went out front and had the tent out front, people began to come to that tent for prayer because it was a manifestation of God's love. God's love must be manifest in our lives. You can't just talk about it. How many of you know talk's cheap? James said, I'll show you my faith by what I do. I ain't going to just talk about it. God didn't just promise us, promise us, and tell us words. His word put on flesh and dwelt among us. And so that's an amazing, an amazing thing. Romans 8.39 says that there's nothing that can separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. So what we understand is that God is love and that love manifest that love demonstrated that love in action is Jesus Christ for God so loved the world he gave the son unto us a child is born a son is what given this love was given the love of God was given the results Mankind took it, ripped his beard off, slashed his back, punched him and spat upon him, and rejected him. Rejected the love of God. And in the rejection of that love, the love of God hanging between heaven and earth said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This love is unstoppable, it's unshakable. You could reject it, you can ignore it, but one day it's going to overtake your heart because of its power and its constant pressing for your heart and for your life. And that's our testimony. He was relentless. He didn't stop. And he kept pressing into my soul till I surrendered to a love that I couldn't even fathom. That's awesome. But there's special delivery with a package like this. We've studied it. We saw the special delivery from the shepherds and the angels and the wise men and the, all the different parts of the story. But there's something that has been intriguing me 
this week as I began to study further. Romans 8, 31 and 32 says this. What then shall we say to these things? Paul is just aghast. He can't, he can't go on. He can't say anything more. He's, he's speechless. What else can I say? And he says, if God is for us, come on, who can be against us? I could give you a whole list of people. That's not his point. His point isn't that there's nobody against us. His point is there's tons of people and forces and powers against us, but they can't stand up against the power of this love. Amen? This is a power that is so great. It's not about military might, political might, force and fight. You can take me out, you can kill me, but the power of this love is greater and stronger than death in the grave. Amen? It is relentless. And look at what it says now. Who could stop us? what What else can we say if God's for us? Who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. He didn't spare his own son but he gave him up for us all. Now, this is an interesting statement. He gave him up for us. Isaiah speaks of the Messiah being given up to the enemy and into the hands of men. But this is interesting. He gave him up for us. We know that when Jesus emptied himself, as Colossians says, being uh, equal with God, found it not robbery to be uh, as one with God. He emptied himself. The Greek word is kenosis. He emptied himself of his divinity and came as a man. But that's not the place where Father gave him up. Jesus did this willingly in love with the Father. The word here, gave him up, is delivered unto. And so, Jesus was delivered over or unto the hands of others. In fact, in Mark 3, 19, it says that Judas delivered him over. Judas delivered him to the temple police. Then it goes on and it says in Mark 15, 15, that Pilate delivered him to Herod. It goes on later in the gospel and said that Herod delivered him back to Pilate and Pilate delivered him unto the people. In Acts 4.27, Peter says this, For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Jesus said, No man can take my life, I give it up. But what I had never realized before is that as Judas acted, as Pilate acted, as Herod acted, as the, Jew, the Jews acted, as the Gentiles and the Roman soldiers acted, all of them did this. But the one who delivered his son to, into the hands of each one of these was the Father. Jesus said that every work that I've done, I saw the Father do. He said every word I spoke was the Father's word. Literally, each time that Jesus surrendered into the hands of someone else, his father was telling him, go, go, 
go. The Father delivered him to Judas. The Father delivered him to Pilate. The Father delivered him to Herod. The Father delivered him to Israel and the soldiers. The Father delivered his son. What manner of love is this? That God would do this for you and I. There's the manifestation. There's the demonstration of his love for us. That while we were his enemies, while we were yet sinners... Father delivered His hand, His Son delivered His Son to the executioners. A demonstration of love. So if God is for us, how for us is He? As He concludes, how will He not also with Him, with Christ, if He delivered Jesus up for us, Everything else is a given. If He gave us the greatest that there is to give Himself, His own heart, Jesus, John 1.18 says that Jesus came from the bosom of the Father. He is the bosom of the Father. He is the love of God. He is the heart of God. He is the Word of God. If Father gave everything through Christ Jesus for us, then why not? He will graciously give us all things. You see, if you've received Christ, if you understand that Christ is the greatest manifestation, the greatest expression of love, then anything else you need, you got. You get it? If he gave you Jesus, then why wouldn't he give you everything else you need? He's given us everything. How great, behind, in, beneath, all this delivering up into the hands of others, God delivered Jesus. If God gave us Jesus, then He'll give us everything else we need. Nothing compares with this love. Romans 8, 38 and 39, Paul says, For I am sure, I'm persuaded that neither... Now, now look at this. What Paul does is he takes a few minutes to just grasp all the dimensions and the width and breadth of this love. He said, look, I I am absolutely sure, I am positive and persuaded that neither death or life, that's physical existence. Nothing in the physical realm, neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, that's the spirit realm. Nothing in the physical realm, nothing in the spiritual realm, things present or things to come. That's time in history. He goes on, nor powers, that's governmental authorities. Nor height, nor depth, that's dimension and space. Nor anything else in all of creation, that's the kitchen sink and anything else you could throw in. This is nothing. Nothing in space and time continuum, both in the physical realm, in the spiritual realm, in all powers or all authorities or anything that has ever been created, nothing is able to separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Nothing. Nothing. We are gathered together not because 
of a, a like language, not because uh, we like the same food, not because we uh, live in the same vicinity. We are gathered together because one thing unifies us, our love for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's nice for us to have meals together and to get along and, and have other pleasantries that we like, but there's one thing that you can only gather one people from around the world, every culture, every tribe, every tongue, one thing, a common love, a common passion, a common purpose. We all have been awakened to the love of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? Amen. And nothing can separate us. If we can't be separated from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, if that love is in us, then nothing should separate us. And that's the one thing the world doesn't get. It's one thing political governments don't get. What people on this planet don't get. You can't break the body of Christ. Because if the love of God that can't separate us from Him is in us, then we should not separate. We'll have our disagreements, we'll have our fights, we'll have our arguments, but in the day when it ends, we all look to Jesus Christ. Amen? He alone, He alone is our Savior. And I conclude with this. Paul prays that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Again, he goes into that dimensional aspect, height, length, breadth, and depth, four dimensions. He goes beyond three-dimensional thinking and goes into the realm of fourth dimension, into the spirit realm. And he says, I want you to know this knowledge that surpasses understanding. You, you can't figure it out, but you can know it. You see the difference? You can't figure it out. You can't grasp it because it's so broad, so big. It goes beyond time and space, which you're limited in. But you can know it. You can experience it. But you'll never fully comprehend this love the love of God demonstrated manifested in Jesus delivered by the Father for you let's bow our heads Father God we thank you today for the ministry of your Holy Spirit I pray right now Lord Jesus that if there is a heart today that is hungry to know this love, they've heard about you. Maybe there's someone here today brought up in church. You, you, you know about the name of Jesus, but you don't know that love. I would ask if there is anyone here today that would like to say, yes, I need Jesus as my Savior I want that love. I understand that God loves me despite what I've done. He proved His love while I was a sinner. You can't clean yourself up and make you ready for God. He's already loving you now. Is there anyone today, just lift your hand, that wants to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior? Say, yes, I want Him. I want to know this love. Lift your hand up this morning so we can pray for you. 
Amen and amen.